Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. got to the point where you're really ready to stop drinking can you admit hand on your heart that you cannot moderate and there is no point forcing yourself around and around the ferris wheel do you want to get sober but don't know where to start or do you wish that you could get some positive results this time in my private membership group thrive you will find the recipe to get and stay successfully sober. Thrive offers wonderful support, guidance on how to start, how to get past specific challenges, and it also includes weekly Zoom meetings. There are many people that have joined Thrive on day one, and now they're celebrating milestones they've never achieved before. Visit www.sassysobermum.com thrive for more info or to sign up. Hello and welcome to this week's Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I'm joined by Steve who lives just near Toronto um, and he's actually turning one year sober the week that this episode goes out. So I'm so delighted that we got together Steve today. We have moved this um, due to different reasons and yeah it's a lot earlier your end <laughs> your, your <laughs> side it's 7 a.m for you so I appreciate you getting up early to come on this show and to share your story with us yeah my pleasure so uh, in order to tell my life with alcohol I have to first talk about my dad um, and the reason for that is before I quit drinking my life was heading in a very similar direction to his so as a kid growing up, like you said, just outside of Toronto in Ontario, Canada, I'd see my dad drink beer every single night. He'd come home from work after a long day where he drove a truck and delivered beer uh, to stores and bars for most of his adult working life. And then shortly after getting home from work, he'd get straight to making dinner for the family, all the while a cold bottle of beer never far from reach. So I'm guessing that each evening he drank three or four bottles of beer but honestly, it's hard to recall with any certainty because I didn't see his drinking as bad at the time and it never crossed my mind to even notice it. So seeing my dad drinking beer every night was just my normal and I had no idea that wasn't every other kid's normal. So to my dad's drinking but or hunting buddies, uh, he was counted on to be the grocery procurer and the chef for their week-long trips and he was happy to making a feast for everybody. My friends even knew my dad in a similar way. Uh, anyone that slept over on any given weekend would be treated to a large breakfast of bacon, eggs, and pancakes. And with family and friends, uh, he'd be the first to offer help anyone move, lend a hand for renovation, or assist him in any way he could. Um, and there were countless times of him taking me to and from hockey practices and games, years of coaching my uh, soccer or footy <laughs> teams. Um, and he'd never hesitate to drop off or pick up me or my two older brothers from wherever we happen to be. And there's many weekend mornings that him and I would just play cards at the kitchen table. I remember those times fondly. Um, however, what I also remember frequently during those years growing up was my mom and dad arguing a lot. 
um, mm-hmm. almost nightly from what I recall. And in retrospect, I'm pretty sure those arguments were because by the time my mom got home from work an hour or two after my dad, he would be drunk. So then not long after dinner, dad would fall asleep on the couch watching TV, only to wake up a couple hours later and head up to bed. And that was the cycle he was in for many, many years. Now, I don't blame him necessarily uh, for his ways, because I truly believe he was just a product of his parents, which were both heavy drinkers. Um, And they had showed him their way, which was be a good person, go to work on time and put in your full day. But when you're done work, you go home and drink. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, just as he was doing what his parents had shown him, he was inadvertently teaching me to drink all those years and showing me that same path. So when I was around 12 years old is when my parents started going out on date nights and the odd weekend away, which meant leaving my two older brothers in charge of the house. And those nights typically signaled one thing, which was party at our house. Um, My older brother's friends would come over to the house. Music would get cranked up. People would be smoking cigarettes and weed. And the booze would be flowing freely. And what I witnessed uh, during those parties, at least from my 12-year-old eyes, was every single person having a blast. Like, just having a great time. And nothing ever got too out of hand from what I remember. And if I ever drank anything at those parties, it was stealing the odd sip of beer to make someone laugh or something like that. Mm -hmm. But the first time I did get drunk, I was 13 years old. Um, I'd gone over to a friend's house during school lunch break. And for some reason, we decided to each drink a couple of those mini uh, bottles of vodka, you know, the little airplane Mm -hmm. size ones. Um, Well, as you can imagine, being 13, uh, we both got super drunk and then we puked our guts out uh, just a short time later. Thankfully, since our bodies were just saving us and rejecting the poison that we had ingested. And so that first experience uh, getting drunk didn't trigger a tailspin of a kid wanting to get drunk all the time. Not at all. Uh, I just continued to be an average kid hanging out with friends, playing sports and playing video games in my spare time. Then later on in high school, parties on weekends started involving alcohol, which seemed perfectly normal since that's what I'd seen my older brothers had done. Um, me and my friends would wait outside of the liquor store until we saw the right looking person, uh, approach them with our money and ask them to buy us beer. Uh, most of the time the answer was a stern no or F off kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were persistent and eventually we'd find someone willing to do it. After we got our beers, we'd stuff them in a backpack and then we'd head to a house party or more often a forced <laughs> to stand around drinking and, And on those nights, if someone happened to puke from drinking too much, that was pretty much just expected and would be cheered on by everybody else. After high school, I moved five hours away from home to attend college. I stayed in the student residence where there was plenty of binge drinking on party nights, which were typically Friday and Saturday, but sometimes adding in the odd Wednesday or Thursday if something was going on. The biggest difference I found with college parties over the high school ones was they went later and more booze was consumed, uh, usually with the help of drinking games before heading out to a bar to drink even more. Then the next day was spent laying around feeling like a complete bag of crap and chatting with uh, roommates about all the stupid stuff we each had done while we were wasted and essentially pinning imaginary badges of honor for the dumbest of things or who felt the worst. All in all, pretty twisted sense of accomplishment when I think back on it now. But honestly, with all those past experiences drinking, I would only ever remember the good side of them. 
um, like laughing with friends and having great conversations and not the darker side, like not even remembering the details of those great conversations, getting sick or contemplating damage that I could possibly be doing to my body. Now, getting back to my dad for just a minute, I didn't even know or realize that his drinking was any kind of problem my entire life until while I was away at college, I got word that he checked into rehab. So apparently his drinking had increased the year that I was away. And I heard a few stories about how bad it got, uh, which peaked with him falling down the stairs one drunken night. And I don't know this for sure, but rehab may have even been an ultimatum to save my mom and dad's marriage. So while in rehab, my dad joined AA. And when he returned home, he continued to attend meetings regularly. And he even sponsored several people over the years. He's now over 20 years since touching a drink. And while that is great and I'm super proud of him, there is a point that still bothers me to this day about AA. And that is that AA told my dad that he was the one with the problem. My dad, this man that I grew up learning from and looking up to my entire life to that point, he was powerless and he was flawed. Mm -hmm. AA had indoctrinated my dad to the mindset of, I am weak to the powers of alcohol. I am different from other people and I'm one of the ones that got addicted to alcohol and mm -hmm. I have failed because I got addicted to alcohol. And with those thoughts in his head, he didn't think twice to safeguard his children or anyone else from the dangers of alcohol or to teach us that alcohol is a dangerous, addictive drug that ought to be respected. So instead, whenever we visited the house, even right after him being in rehab, the first offer was of a drink. And though it was never verbalized, the message was loud and it was clear. Alcohol isn't a problem. It's just dad that has a problem. Mm -hmm. And I now see how that only helped me to allow carrying on consuming alcohol for, with, for years without any regard to the possible dangers. So I did graduate from that one-year college program. However, I decided it wasn't a career I wanted to pursue any further. I was 19 at the time and needed to pay off my school debts. So I moved back in with my parents and I got a job. I ended up finding work in a factory that I essentially hated and just lived for the weekends. I settled into the pattern of work all week and then get together with friends on the weekends and drink. Uh, that less than glorious pattern um, continued for a little over a year until one night after work, I was cruising the internet and had a message pop up from somebody. That message was someone asking if I was the same Steve that was in Mr. Huffle's grade eight class. Well, I was. And that someone asking was a woman that was in that same grade eight class years earlier and would eventually become my wife. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So her and I chatted online for a little while longer that night. And then she invited me to come visit her at university. She was attending only 20 minutes away. We planned a night together and I met up with her at a pub of course. <laughs> and we took in an open mic night, uh, chatted about what each other had been up to for the past five years, had a bunch of laughs and really just had a great time. Uh, needless to say that great times can continued now for the last 23 years. And throughout those 23 years, we achieved a lot together. Um, while she worked on her undergraduate degree, I continued to work in factories, uh, while being miserable with my work, but that would soon change because uh, she convinced me to go back to school and get into a career that I actually enjoyed. And so the summer after she completed her undergraduate degree and before I went back to college and took construction engineering, 
uh, we got married surrounded by our friends and family. Um, the second time around in college, though, I really focused on my education instead of partying. And it paid off with me graduating at the top of the program and winning multiple awards uh, along the way. Now, I don't say that to brag or gloat, or I don't know what you'd call it in England, but <laughs> but I'm only saying that to highlight the fact that when I was previously in college and partying, I passed my classes with grades that were just okay. Uh, but when I focused on school instead of booze, I was able to achieve so much more. Mm. So after graduating, I was offered jobs from three different employers, an architect, an engineer, and a contractor. I chose the position with a contractor and since then I've enjoyed a career that I love and I've even become one of the owners of the company. My wife and I bought, fixed up and sold a couple houses over the years until we got into a beautiful home. We had two amazing boys along the way and we were living the textbook perfect life. It was literally a life that I had never dreamed even possible when I was younger. But... For the majority of those 20-something years, I was what most people consider that quote-unquote regular drinker, which I have to admit now is a term that I hate. But anyways, what I'm talking about is the person meeting up with friends at a pub for a pint or two, going out for dinner and drinking wine, having people over at the house for a few drinks and watching sports, mm -hmm. and then occasionally, like a couple times a year, getting together with my old high school buddies and getting proper pissed. Mm -hmm. But all in all, fairly tame by most standards and only the odd time here and there having too many and causing the next day to be a complete write-off due to a hangover. And though I never drank in the morning or was hiding balls of booze around the house, the amount that I was drinking seemed to be increasing almost without me noticing as all those years rolled on, which I now see as the obvious outcome when someone consumes an addictive drug. It's truly a slippery slope. No, I didn't always come home from work and have two or three drinks. In fact, for a long time, I didn't drink through the week at all. And I would only have a few on weekends with other people socially. But then I started having one here and there during the week. Then at some point, it became one most every night. Then it was one every night. Then it was two every night. Um, eventually, I got to the point where I would drink every single day. Um, and though I was never chugging drinks... They certainly weren't being drank just for the taste. And I would rarely, if ever, be visibly drunk. But I was 100% drinking for effect. And after every drink, I wanted another one. The only reason I wouldn't have another one was because I'd use willpower to abstain and stop drinking. Mm -hmm. But quite honestly, what had now happened well into my own parenthood, with my own impressionable kids watching and learning from me, is I had fallen into the exact same trap that my dad had taught me of you go to work, work hard, then you come home and start drinking. Meanwhile, living in a partial haze, being short with my kids and wife, and being argumentative. I was even at the point where I would begrudge my kids sports if they interfered with my nightly drinking routine. I was in fact keeping that vicious cycle going by now showing my kids how a husband and a father is supposed to behave. And I don't have a lot of regrets about my past, but that is the biggest one. So that whole slide down the slippery slope was a pretty slow one until one day in January 2022. Um, it was out of nowhere, but one of my friends randomly posted an article to our messenger group chat about how alcohol is the top cause of preventable cancer and should have warning labels. And then, of course, he added the comment below the article of, 
not going to stop me from drinking, but might help me cut back a little, LOL. Um, <laughs> so anyways, I read that article and it got me thinking and reflecting about myself and my ways, especially because my dad had gone through a couple bouts of cancer. And looking back on it now, I believe that was the moment the seed was planted and the question and the seed was planted to question my own alcohol consumption. So it sounds stupid to say this now, but honestly, I never associated anything bad with what I consider to be that quote unquote moderate drinking, um, which I suppose isn't too shocking since alcohol is so prevalent in our society and every drinker has even seen those ridiculous claims on the internet about how moderate drinking is actually healthier than not drinking but thankfully now the latest studies are showing that one or two drinks a day is not okay and they are finally saying that there is no known amount that is safe for human consumption but i digress after i read that article that my buddy had sent us a seed was planted and it really got me thinking and wanting to find out about this product that I was consuming so regularly at ever-increasing quantities. So after a quick Google search, I came across Alcohol Explained by William Porter. I downloaded and listened to that audiobook intently on my drive to work, uh, to and from work for the next couple of weeks. William's book was great and has plenty of information, but on some level, it was a bit hard for me to relate because his addiction with alcohol was the type where he wouldn't drink through the week at all, but then from after work on Friday... He would drink steadily until Monday morning. And it sounds foolish to admit this or to admit that that is what I focused on. But you know what? It's that typical response most drinkers have of, oh, well, I'm not that bad. So this can't apply to me. Mm. But that said, his book is excellent. And I'm glad I found it, Uh, especially because after I finished it, it led me to another book as a suggestion of what to check out next. And that second book I listened to is This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. I first read a few of the many positive reviews and thought, this sounds really interesting. And I think one of the things that really convinced me to download her book was the subtitle of Control Alcohol. Because as you can imagine, Terry, I was like so many other drinkers that I had zero intentions of quitting alcohol. I just wanted to be able to control it. Yeah. But honestly, what ended up happening was the closest thing to magic that I've ever personally experienced. That book, quite honestly, has been a life changer for me. And even though it may sound like an exaggeration, I promise it's an understatement, if anything. What this naked mind did for me was open my eyes to the lies that alcohol had ingrained in me. I thought I needed alcohol to be sociable. I thought it made me happier. I thought it enhanced situations. I thought I liked the way it made me feel. But once I looked at all of those beliefs subjectively... I found out that they just were not true. Additionally, I believe it also helped that Annie's experience was something that I could totally relate to since she was a successful business person uh, right up until she quit, which I believe she was drinking like two bottles of wine a night. And I could totally see how I was on that exact same path, just a couple steps behind. And I also want to add one of the things that really made this naked mind such an impact for me was listening to her narrate it and hearing the passion in her voice. I swear sometimes it felt like she was speaking to me, not just reading the book. So So after I finished this naked mind, the other information swirled in my head for a few days. Um, And (laughs) that new knowledge base had taken off all of the shine I'd previously given alcohol. Mm -hmm. I was now looking at that 
glass of beer in a totally different way. What was once a warm embrace, a little hug, was now a dagger in the back. And I knew my days of willingly consuming ethanol were numbered. And I was ready to ready for the fight to drop the alcohol monster. However, the fight would have to wait and begin the day after one of my best friend's weddings that was quickly approaching only a few days after I finished This Naked Mind. The timing wasn't planned, but I literally finished the book on the drive to the rehearsal dinner. Um, for the wedding, I'd been asked to MC it, and I took the part seriously, especially because I'd never been an MC before, and I was pretty nervous about it. So I wrote out all my parts and practiced them and went over them over and over again. The big day came, and after the ceremony, everybody headed to the reception where the booze started flowing, um, but not into me. Even though several people asked where my beer was or if I needed a beer, I proudly responded, nope, not drinking until my duty... I do my duty and I knock this thing out of the park. Cranberry and soda for this guy. Which, of course, was met with responses like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Good call. Well, I can proudly say that I w it was a success uh, because everyone came up to me afterwards and told me I did a great job. And it was a huge sense of accomplishment and one I'm really proud of. But what then followed that MC obligation was joining everyone else and getting pissed. Um, we closed the hall at around 1 a.m. and then headed back to the hotel to celebrate with the wedding party until around 4.30 a.m. I woke up a few hours later uh, and felt the same physically as most mornings after a night of drinking hard, like complete trash uh, with a wicked hangover. But what was different this time was embracing that feeling because I knew that I would never go through another hangover again. So here I am. Uh, almost a year since that wedding, and now I drink as much alcohol as I want whenever I want. But the truth is, is I haven't wanted an alcoholic drink since then. And honestly, I know I'll never drink one again. I now see alcohol as something like a magic trick that I was shown how it was done. And I can't go back to the way it was shown before it. There's no illusion or mystery anymore. There's no longer any desire to crave something that I prov know provides no benefits to me. And that's really how my life as a drinker ended. There wasn't any kind of rock bottom before my last drink. I've heard that notion in the past that people need a rock bottom before they quit for good. And I believe that sentiment stems from the AA world. But either way, I couldn't disagree anymore. Um, I really think that thought of you have to hit rock bottom before you get clean is just a dangerous sentiment to have out there. And it leads people to think they can always get worse. Meanwhile, isn't true rock bottom death? Or maybe killing somebody else while you're driving impaired? Why would, why would you wait until then? Do you really want some horrible experience like that on your conscience for the rest of your life? Mm. Honestly, I've found that there are a ton of reasons you shouldn't drink alcohol once you look at them subjectively. And there are literally zero reasons that you should. So now that I'm almost 42 years old, I can look back and see that while alcohol has been such a huge part of it, I now realize that it stole the credit for those good times that I had with family and friends. It seems that every occasion and every event, whether they were happy or sad, alcohol seemed to be involved in all of them. But I now see that alcohol took so much more than it gave, and it was slowly changing me into living in a fog, getting to the point where I would organize my life around drinking, and it had become my true priority in life. That makes me sick to admit, but it's true. 
And I was just looking forward to drinking all the time. It was taking me away from living in the present and truly enjoying life for all the amazing things it has to offer. When the truth is, it's spending time with all the awesome people we're closest to that makes things so good. I no longer see alcohol as a key to a good time, but rather for what it really is, a dangerous addictive drug that just leaves a trail of regret, shame, and guilt. And eventually, it would have ruined everything I care about. So, yeah, that's my story. Wow. What I I love about that story is it's very regular. (laughs) (laughs) And And I think I agree with you completely. I think that is so important because the thing that I personally worry about when we talk about these sorts of terms like alcoholic or alcohol use disorder i i appreciate that that there needs to be that definition but Mm -hmm. um i i didn't see myself as an an alcoholic a a lot of people on social media would like to agree uh, to argue with me about that sure yeah i've seen ignore um but i didn't see myself as an alcoholic and the reason why i i the reason why i find that term difficult is because I think that it prevents people from stepping forward and getting help. 100%. You can be 30 steps before getting to alcohol use disorder or alcoholic um, and still have a really, really valid, thorough reason to stop drinking. You can still massively improve your life. Um, That's it. and, And I think that's where I get frustrated about I feel like people, they have to anchor onto that word in some way that either justifies their drinking or justifies that they're not drinking bad enough. Um, And I think think that's dangerous. For sure. And think about it. That's the only drug that we do that with. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't be like, oh, someone that just does a little bit of heroin, that's fine. Like yeah. you can just do occasional heroin. Like yes. and I get that those are two very different things, but that's only because that's what we've programmed our culture to think. Like yeah. alcohol is still the number one killer of people of all drugs. I think mm-hmm. it's even combined. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's because it's legal, but like you just one one other thing I found too is like one when I went went down this path or the journey word, everyone, I find people always want to say the journey, but we are on a journey, but, um, everybody has someone in their family or their circle that like has been like had some serious problems with alcohol or has died from alcohol or they, or at least people that I know anyways, but Mm -hmm. it seems everybody you talk to is like, Oh yeah, my grandfather was, uh, he was an alcoholic or he was Mm -hmm. this and he was that. And it's like, what what I think people don't associate it with is it's all the same path. It just depends where you are on it. Like mm-hmm. whether you're the full, the full blown alcoholic, quote unquote, like if you're sipping straight vodka from a paper bag on a park bench, I guess you can be like, oh, there's an alcoholic. That's mm-hmm. not me. So I'm good. Right. I still have mm-hmm. a full time job and I, yes. I go to work every day. So I'm not an alcoholic, but like, it's just, it seems bizarre that we, we associate that and make this special term like mm. you don't have heroin or smokeaholic, you know, yeah. cocaine holic. Like yeah, yeah. you either do the drug or you don't. Like, yeah, I agree. And I also, you know, and I don't want to offend anyone here because I know that 
people have to believe what they want to, what's right for them. And I'm very pro people deciding and defining. What I don't like is when people try to push on to other people what put a label on be yeah. or what they you know put the label on. But you know, I don't feel like I'm a recovering smokeaholic. No, because same here. I stopped smoking. You know, yeah. for me, it's very black and white. I smoked and then yeah. I stopped smoking and now yeah. I'm a non-smoker. Exactly. Um, and I feel the same with my drinking. I used to drink. Now mm. I don't drink. I am a non-drinker. Exactly. And I, just, I don't find, personally, I don't, I don't love the language, alcoholic. I don't. Well, no, no one. No one likes a no one likes a label like that. Yeah. That's the biggest thing, right? Like, it, there's so much stigma that goes with that too, and yeah. almost to the extent like, and that's actually why one of the reasons like I want to do things like this and like have more of a voice is like break that stigma because it doesn't need to be this big thing. Like right now, it's still that like when you tell people you don't drink, they're like, oh, why not? Or like, yeah. oh, oh, it must have got really bad. It's like. It's crazy that that's still our thought that like the only reason you'd stop doing a drug is because it got really bad. Like, how about it just was like not improving your life at all? Or you realize like this, there's no benefits to drinking. Yeah. yeah. I literally, it, this is coming from someone like alcohol was like part of my identity for mm. years. Like, yeah. I was the craft brewer, brewers. Like I had bottles of scotch worth a couple hundred dollars and I would sip those scotch with a, a dark beer and be, oh, yeah, I'm so distinguished and always. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, it's no different than if you would have got a $5 bag of vodka and yes. chugged it. Like, it's the yeah. same, it's the same crap. Yeah. I know. It's that, it's that justification piece, isn't it? And it's also cloaked heavily in denial that, well, actually, if heavily. I spend $100 on my bottle of wine, then, yeah. then this makes it okay. Yeah, and I'm more that's better than and you know I don't. Yeah, that is so true. Like, yeah, if you spent two hundred dollars on this fancy bottle of uh, red wine from somewhere ever, yeah, like that's no different than the alcohol that's in a ten dollar box of yeah two liter of wine, right? Like, yeah, yeah. the the yeah. alcohol is still the exact same. You're still exactly. getting the same. Drug. It's it's still essentially you know the same as the fuel that you put in your car. You know, hundred percent. I, I love. I, think about that I always think about when people try to talk to me or to justify how much they love drinking because you know believe it or not I've I've got this podcast but I'm not I'm not preaching my everyday life or I'm I'm not trying to encourage all of my you know drinking friends and family to stop drinking that's it's up to them what they want to do of course yeah I do what I want to do but I do find it I do find it interesting um I you know I the thoughts that come up for me when people do talk about those types of justifications of why the drinking is okay because they just do it on a Saturday and they just yep. only have, you know, expensive wine, which, you know, apparently doesn't give you hangovers and, yeah, you know, and all yeah. this sort of stuff. I just, th- whenever I picture it in my mind, the picture is always that it's basically the fuel that you put in your car. You're just pouring it out into a glass. I don't know why. It's just one of the things that happened in the process of learning for me that I've just... Absolutely. I don't know. I kind of visualize it in that way naturally now. It just happens. Yeah. So. yeah. And I think that was one of the things that I think that Annie Grace talked about, like how it's ethanol, ethanol, like yeah. alcohol and ethanol. It's like tomato, tomato, the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's the thing is like just reframing how you think of something yeah. makes a huge difference. You're like, 
and like I'll go and pump gas uh, in, in my truck or whatever. And you look at the pumps and it says the percentage of ethanol that's in the fuel. Like it's literally the same thing. Wow. But like people want to like make the separation, right? Like, yeah, 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 exactly. I also thought what was really um, interesting about what you said about moderation, and I, I've 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 mentioned this a few times on my feed, but mm. right, moderation is such a slippery slope, and it's so 100%. subjective as well. So, for example, somebody's idea of moderation might be: I only want to drink on the weekends, <clears throat> and I work yeah. I work with clients um, that. Uh, you know, ultimately, they do that step before quitting, which you talked about as well, which is, you know, really, I just want to learn how to drink better. But yeah. so they want to drink at weekends. That's their version of moderation. For me, my version of moderation became I just want to stick to one bottle of wine five nights a week. Exactly. And it's just yeah. like that is so just it's crazy that actually a whole yeah. bottle of wine is moderation. That's not moderation. <laughs> that is binge drinking. Yeah. That's yeah. how I had got, because I could easily do two bottles like Annie yeah. Grace. I could do two bottles. I probably wanted to do two bottles, yeah. but unfortunately if I did two bottles in my mind, I wasn't moderating. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know? were being good. You were being good by only having one bottle. Yeah, You're which like, is yes. nuts, right? That's just oh, yes. <laughs> it, it so is like you said like when you step back from it afterwards and you're like oh my god I can't believe the crap that I was telling myself to yeah. justify what I was doing like yeah uh, there'd be the odd time where I would like have a like a shot of vodka instead because I'm like uh, a shot of vodka will be cheaper than a uh like a craft one pint of craft beer because like I don't know what a 26 or whatever but like you get a bunch of shots in a bottle of vodka i'm like so if i have one one shot of vodka then like you know that saves me three dollars on a on a pint of beer so that's i'm cost sa- i'm doing cost savings like yeah. now anything i like about that that's i'm like bad. that's ridiculous that's that stupid- ridiculous yeah it <laughs> so. is because that just really that really highlights as well that you are that you are chasing the buzz and you're not enjoying the drink for the drink's sake, you know, like it's simply just trying to get drunk. That's a funny thing that I was going to wait till it came up and it just did. So it's good. But like, it'd be interesting to ask people and I never would because like you said, I don't want to be preachy or anything like that or try to convert anybody. The way I convert people is like showing, they're like saying like, I, my life is so much better without alcohol that, I don't see why you ever would, but like if what I'd love to be able to ask them is if you're not drinking for the buzz, then why wouldn't you just drink alcohol free beer or alcohol free wine? Like all the alcohol free drinks that are out there, like they're like the beers, especially have come so far. Like I remember 20 years ago when my dad, when he quit and he was drinking like O'Doul's and stuff like that, like those tasted horrible. They taste like wet cardboard or something. But like now, like you can get proper IPAs yeah. and yeah. stouts, and you can get nice gins, yeah, and, like, and those sorts of spirits. They've they've really come on, yeah. So months. So if someone's not drinking for the buzz, which majority of people would tell you that I'm not drinking for to get a buzz, yeah, then just drink alcohol free stuff, and then they'd be like, "Wow, what's the point?" Be like, "Okay, so admit that you're but drinking you for the yeah. buzz, like." <laughs> Like, yeah. not that, that I'm not being judgmental or anything like that, but just 
be yeah. be honest to yourself of like why you're actually doing that. Like, because I think most people get into like, oh, this it's a habit. It's like I drink a coffee in the morning. I drink beer or wine at night. That's mm-hmm. that's just what becomes their thing, right? So, mm-hmm. like, once you look at it, and you're like, oh, maybe it, maybe I am actually drinking it because of the drug that's in there which yeah. makes sense when you look at it right so yeah the other way of looking at that is when you say you know why you're drinking and people just say oh I like the same thing like, I love the taste but yeah. how can you love the taste really of something that's essentially so bad that you have to add so much flavoring artif- yeah. artificial flavoring and sugar to make yeah. it palatable so For it's sure. just like what if you break that down and really think about what is the taste that you're, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the truth. It, it is. Yeah. Like you say, it's, no. it's, it's the bars, isn't it? And what people don't understand too, is the reason they like that taste is because their brain has made the association that that taste mm. equals the euphoric buzz that they get mm. from the alcohol. Yeah. So you mm. like that taste because you get the drug. Like yeah. you wouldn't otherwise, like when, when you're, if you give, if you give a 10 year old or something like that, straight vodka, they would like put it in their mouth and spit it out. Cause it, they hate it, it. it's poison, yeah. right? Yeah. I was going to say like, 10 year old, even to be fair, even a teenager. Cause I remember yeah. when I used to make my drinks mix from my mum's cabinet that I would be pouring so much orange juice and yeah. cola into mm-hmm. you know mix up the whiskey and the vodka and things because it yeah. would taste vile yeah it would be exactly. so bad but then of yeah. course the way that when I was drinking I was a teenager in the 90s and so the drinks industry is so clever in that they made then Smirnoff Ice and oh, yeah. KD and um we, we- we call them Alka Pops over oh, here. Alka Pops, yeah, yeah. Bacardi Breezer, which are yeah. all basically bright colors, uh, fruity flavors, oh. and it's hundred percent, hundred percent targeted towards the, the younger population. Yeah, yeah. like you yeah. said, like these cool little bottles and like yeah, it's sugar water with with yeah. e- ethanol in it. Like yeah, yeah. it's bad. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's so funny there that um, you were talking about the um, the high, about the brain associating the alcohol with the high. I always call it the 15 out of 10 hit. That's what okay. alcohol is, you know. It gives you a 15 out of 10 high. Oh, brain. yeah. And actually, your brain on its own and your dopamine receptors and all of that can only really ever achieve a 10 out of 10. And that's why when you stop drinking, there is that period of recalibration where you know, you can feel like life is not fun or life is maybe not interesting or, or or as exciting or you're not finding as much joy because you've got to come down from that hangover of kind of that 15, which is way above target um, yep. you know, and try to learn how to see the sunrise, which is probably a seven or eight out of 10 or, you know, sure. pet your dog, which is probably a, a 10 out of 10. And it's just <laughs> that, you know, alcohol gives you that artificial, um, unreachable high. And it's just, it's so destructive if you do that over time and your body just gets used to that. Um, well, you can understand why that's so difficult to kind of reset in a way. Yeah. It's it's kind of funny. I know. <laughs> And I don't know what, where this came from, but like, I remember towards the end thinking, um, like with my conscious mind that I'm stealing from tomorrow's fun tonight, like yeah, by drinking. Nice. Yeah. So it's kind of neat to think about like that point system of say you, you get, you get 50, say you get all allocated a hundred points of, 
feeling good in a day. So if you, once you drink alcohol, you take 25 points and then you have another drink and you take another 25 points. So there's only 50 left. But if you were to, you know, if you take, if you're not drinking alcohol and you just spread them out, everything is actually better, just not artificially better. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I've never I mean, actually hashed that out. Just uh, <laughs> thought about that right now, but yeah, it's kind of kind of an interesting concept because it is artificial, and you're just stealing yes. from other another time when you're going to feel good because there's that crash that comes afterwards. Absolutely. Like, I, I think I've read that the the buzz from alcohol lasts 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and the anxiety and the, the the depressant part of the stimulant of alcohol last for two hours mm. so like you're you're getting a half an hour of fe- or 20 minutes of feeling good for mm. four times that in i should do my math there but <laughs> yeah, for significantly sense. more of feeling bad yeah but the, the bad part is that the brain doesn't associate this the second part of feeling bad with alcohol it associates the first part of the feeling yeah. good yeah. So, and that and that's actually I don't I don't know the ins and outs of the science of this so I don't, I don't want to butcher this. But that mm-hmm. actually has something to do with the way that we produce memories and memory production and actually um our brains form those uh memories of the buzz and the high. It's almost like they store those in HD and for longer. And yeah. then happens afterwards kind of isn't the memory production isn't as strong and isn't as good. And so Makes that's sense. why we always have that draw when we look back and we have that kind of also that, you know, fading effect bias, which is when you, you know, you do get into sobriety and then you do, yep. you know, a hundred days or six months or something and you start to feel sometimes like, oh, you know, yeah. well, maybe it wasn't that bad actually. <laughs> and, oh, that, yeah. and that's actually a lot of that is down to the memory, the quality of memory production. And so it's like everything is working against you yeah. a lot of the time. And I made a little note here actually when you were talking about and, and it's it's interesting that we've just come back to that. So it's very relevant for me to mention this now. But you know, when we think about the good things, really there's only the perceived good things okay there's only a couple you know it's like those funny moments and that kind of stupidity but Mm -hmm. then when the the, the bad things the list is always so much bigger and that's the bit where we need to do the work on ourselves particularly in early sobriety yeah you know it's the hurting yourself when you're out it's feeling sick or being sick or being really Mm -hmm. hung over the next day it's the shameful behavior it's yeah. poor decision making. It's wasting money. It's writing off the next one or two days in terms of you know, not being able to engage properly with the world around you. You know, mm-hmm. that, that is so much more stacked than yeah. what the perceived good things are. And I think that's the bit that people really need to try and, you know, write down is a good way to start oh. doing that process, you know- really. I actually did that at the the beginning was making that list. And I think that was really key because like when you just think about it, it's like you said, it's like, I think the rose colored glasses is like, you put it, make it look good. But doing that list of um, good reasons to drink and reasons maybe it'd be better not to drink. Yes. And like, I think my list of reasons why I drink or why I like drinking was there's like five things on there. And then my reasons of what could be better not drinking was like, I think there's like 30 something things on there and I probably could have elaborated more on it, but yeah, actually I think that was a really good thing when I, when I did start was I started journaling like, and I'm not like a journaler. Um, Mm -hmm. Women tend to be better than that. I don't know why guys should probably do it because it'd be pretty 
um, beneficial, but doing that journal in the beginning and actually marking how I felt and how, like what my body was telling me and that sort of thing, like mm-hmm. it was really interesting to look at it. And then take a week later to go back and read yeah. my, my journal about how I was feeling. Like it was just bullet points. I wasn't like dear diary, like writing it mm-hmm. or whatever, but it, not that there's any pro- problem with that. Like if someone wants to do that, they should do that. But mm-hmm. it was just really interesting to look back and see like, cause when your conscious mind, when you just think, do I like drinking? Yeah, I like drinking. But then once you actually do that process of writing it down and really thinking and looking at it and w- looking at your words, you have such a different perspective. Yeah, it's so true. I'm so pro journaling, to be honest. So I yeah, quite often be. encourage my clients and the people in my group to journal. And I know that sometimes some people are a bit like, what, you know, dear diary, come on. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I know. I'm an adult. But I you never get this time back and these no. early days uh you know or first few months of getting sober there is so much going on and i i do think it's therapeutic to get it down i do think yep. it's a good practice to get get to develop a kind of more gratitude angle of that kind yeah. of daily journal so you're thinking about the things that you're grateful for or that you're achieving and the one thing that you just don't you feel like once when you're in it in the beginning the one thing you don't realize is you forget all of this like I can't remember that much about my first few weeks no I didn't start proper journaling or anything until kind of maybe around 50 days and I really wish that I had more of the early stuff because it's something that I just like looking over and like you say you can go back to it you can really appreciate what you go through and the shifts that happen and you can see it all there in your own words and I just that's why I think it's just good even if it's not doesn't become like a kind of lifetime habit certainly doing that in that first kind of six months is super super helpful yeah yeah for sure yeah it definitely is so talking about your kind of like, what did you do? So talk about your first hundred days. What did you do to get sober and how did you support yourself? So the getting sober was obviously those two books were like a huge, mm. huge impact on me. Um, but as far as the first hundred days, even though I did do that journaling, it's hard to really even remember. Um, I know the first week or so it felt like I had a cold, like I was tired. I had a headache and I was not sleeping good at all. But uh, despite that, like I found every day following quitting, like was clear. Um, And, but actually one of the things I did find that helped a lot was I way upped my water intake Mm. and then I started drinking an electrolyte replacer because I read somewhere that um, drinking alcohol depletes your electrolytes and all of the salts and stuff like that in your body. So actually once I started drinking that, like, I don't know if you guys have BioSteel in the UK. But uh, it's similar like Gatorade, okay. um, something like that. Yeah. BioSteel is similar to Gatorade, but it doesn't have sugar. So, right. Like, no. But anyways, yeah. like after I started drinking one or two of those, like my headaches literally went away. Wow. Just, yeah. So it was it was a hu- it was a game changer to be honest. Like I was like, oh my god, it feels so much better. Oh, um, awesome. but so I did that. Um, one of the other things I did was I got this close group of friends. Um like eight, eight buddies that's who's in that messenger group chat that uh, sent through that article. And I actually wrote them like a letter (laughs) and which was kind of, it was a pretty cathartic process. I actually really helped. It's similar to like journal 
wrestling. Right. And mm -hmm. I just kind of told them like, what's up and all this sort of thing. And they were like super supportive. Oh, um, yeah. So that was cool. I actually did the yeah. same thing with, with my wife and yeah. wrote her, um, a letter, obviously a lot different than that one, but, uh, and gave it to her. She, she cried. I think it was partially tears of joy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but then actually she, she ended up reading this naked mind too. And she quit the, literally the, she ended up having the same quit day as me. Cause no way. yeah. Yeah. So, which was wow. amazing to be going on this like journey. <laughs> There's that yeah. word again yeah. uh, together. <laughs> I, quite, I quite like the word journey actually. Yeah, I do too. But, but I heard, yeah. I think it was sober Dave was like journey. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But it's, you know, it's fine. But anyways. You can <laughs> so, but it was so cool. Like, well, every once in a while, Actually, it's pretty pretty often we'll like turn and look at each other. Like, I can't believe how much better this is oh, without so cool. booze. Like, we we used to think we need it, right? Concerts, yeah. sporting events, yeah. all that stuff. You'd be like, oh yeah, it's just part of the experience. But yeah. I was like, all that stuff is way better without it. So yes, yeah, yeah, yeah that's amazing. I I still have that now. Actually, I my my husband doesn't drink a lot, but um, he does remember a little bit um of when I was drinking uh in the mm -hmm. beginning and um I still now kind of four years in almost I will have um something will happen and or I'll go to an event or I don't know just yeah whatever whatever it is and I will say to him oh god I'm so glad I don't drink you know yeah, oh I, yeah could you imagine if I was drinking because I would be <laughs> like this and this and this and this is what would happen and da, 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 da. and I I just I always think about it in that yeah. way you know which I I just feel you know that doesn't bother me at all I really like that actually oh I, yeah I love that constant reframing you know it, drinking was such a big part of my life and like you I at the time I loved drinking and I just yeah. never thought I would ever be able to stop even though I was getting more and more aware of how destructive it was in my life yeah. um, and but I just when I when I stopped drinking I just I really felt like how will I ever forget about booze you know how would that ever happen to me and now I not only have I just I have forgotten about it but I only remember it in ways where I just it's almost like my mind constantly is comparing what would this have been like if you were drinking Terry and yeah. I just feel immediate relief every time that god I'm so glad that that's not yeah. my life anymore and I know bizarre that that can happen even in you know I mean I've had that for a long time so that for me that's not like happened at four years I've sure. been feeling like that two years in you know yeah so, oh um, yeah. yeah no I feel I feel the exact same way and like fairly quickly to be honest yes. like I would see the benefits and then it would just be like, thank God I'm not yeah. like deluded yeah. into the old way of thinking. Like yeah. that was just not right. Like yes. now that I've had these experiences, I can say that without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that it's better without. And like yes. everything, I, I, the, the only thing that has like negative about not drinking is all the people that are drinking. You realize like how annoying and irritating <laughs> they become, right? Like, because yeah. like when people get drunk, they they talk loud, they get really close, they're spitting, they smell like bad. And it's like, oh man, I used to be, I was that person, like mm. 100%. Like yeah. I thought I was hilarious and it probably wasn't. Like it was probably just mostly annoying and like yeah. being obnoxious and stuff like yes. that. So That's like you said, like it's just like relief, like 
thank God I never have to do that again. Like, it, yeah. I know. And I think, I think that's, you know, when people say that there's so much magic in sobriety, I think that's one of the things that is really magical about it is that constant, uh, reevaluating how far you've come, how much better life is without that chain around your neck. And just that constant reframing of, life would be so different and so much more chaotic yeah. Um, and so much more, there'd be so much more disappointment if it's, I was still drinking. But don't you like, don't you look back and think about when you were drinking that you just kind of ignored all the negative parts? Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, w- I was like you as well. I thought I was so funny, but yeah. oh my God, I would have <laughs> definitely been really annoying. Because yeah. I'm quite loud anyway, um, <laughs> and I talk a lot, and I really, really used to take over when I yeah. was in a situation where I was drinking. I was just like taking over all the time, talking over people, um, yeah. talking about myself. I, I don't know, just like, just bloody annoying, you know? <laughs> and I thought I was probably being very funny, and um mm-hmm. Yeah, like if I think about that for too long, it probably makes me wince a bit. So I, I just <laughs> yeah. don't think about it for too long. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's not very for sure. good at kind of like partitioning that into the side yeah. of the brain. But <laughs> you, just, you just flip that into a positive and be like, thank God I don't. Yeah, think exactly. Like that it doesn't matter. I've been there, done it. Now I've changed. Yeah, exactly. It's all fine. It's all fine. Um, so, um, yeah, what would you say if you had to summarize what's the biggest gain for you? I know we've talked about good and bad sides sure. but just be nice to know like what yeah what's been the real game changer for you so that's honestly the easiest thing to answer and it's <laughs> my family life um i find i'm so much more connected now with uh, my wife and the kids since we cut alcohol out of our lives um i'm proud that i'm setting a way better example for the kids and not showing them that you that alcohol should be part of anything really. Mm. Um, and I've said it a bunch of times, but like, I genuinely find that everything is better without alcohol. So like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's hard to say, like we recently did, um, a week long family trip in Western Canada to see the Rocky mountains. Nice. And it was the best time. Um, and while that trip probably would have been pretty good if, if we were both drinking at the time, um, it wouldn't have been near as good because we're just like being on the same wa- wavelength as the kids and then like experiencing things the same way. And like, you just see things totally different. I find mm-hmm. not to mention, like, I'm sure if we were drinking at the time, I would have been like, Oh, there's a craft brewery over there. Let's go check that out. And the kids would be like, Oh, it smells gross. I don't want to go in there. And mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. So yeah. there's that benefit of not having to do that stuff. But, and then like, you know how it is like kids go to bed you stay up have a couple more drinks yeah and then the next morning would be kind of slow like not necessarily hungover but like you're not exactly like miss mr mrs chipper like go let's go tackle the day you're like (laughs) uh let's let's go get a greasy breakfast and you know so we can feel better and then we'll you know we'll start doing some around noon or whatever yeah yeah, you're not you're not up and out are you <clears throat> no, in those no. situations when you're drinking and with kids especially and kids kids want to be up and out don't they yeah. I mean they're like they're up and out by by 7 a.m <laughs> yeah yeah and I've, so, I find I'm more like that now too like yeah. the mornings are awesome like it's quiet and like 
and it's it's cool like i don't get to see i don't watch the sunrise or anything like that like i don't want to paint some crazy picture but like Mm -hmm. just to see the morning um develop is is awesome like it's Mm -hmm. i don't know i just find like there's a lot more appreciation for everything and even my body like i found like then i started looking at diet a lot differently like obviously I still have work to do in that regard or whatever, like who doesn't, but like, I'm just a lot more mindful of like what I'm putting in my body. Like, yeah, just, same. I'm like, how is that made? Or how is that yeah. a particular thing? Like, I don't want to put a bunch of crap in my body, mm-hmm. which is such like a 180. Cause like when you're drinking, you're like literally putting poison in your body daily and you're you know, almost like really taking it to your body. Like here, deal with this. Yeah, uh, try, have try these fries, have this cola. Oh yeah, know, have all this a, cheese and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's it's been cool. So like, there's there's been a lot of gains. Honestly, like I can't think of any negatives, but the biggest one is definitely with just how much better of a father and husband and oh. like partner. So yeah. yeah, and that and to be honest, that's everything isn't it 100 yeah. percent. it is what, what else do you need like that, <laughs> yeah that's everything really yeah. just waking and up and feeling grateful for the day um you know having the energy and motivation to get out and do things and see things and ha- make memories and feel at peace with yourself yeah. and your decisions and go to bed and have yeah. a kiss good night and here we go let's go to sleep and rest properly and do it all again yeah tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Simple, exactly. But brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so what would be your top three tips then for for our listeners in uh, getting or staying sober? So I wrote down these three tips, or what I can't kind of came up with. Um, so the first one is I'd urge people to continue to feed their minds. Um, their mind is open and curious now which is clear. Otherwise they wouldn't be listening to this right now. Mm. Um, but I suggest they start out with getting a solid basis of information. So don't just try to use willpower and white knuckle it through not drinking. Mm. Uh, willpower actually runs out as it's used. I don't know if people know that, mm. but it's been proven in studies that your willpower is like, it's like a gas tank. It runs out as you use it. Mm. Um, and for information to feed their minds, there's a ton of quit literature out there to choose from. Obviously, I highly recommend those books, Alcohol Explained and This Naked Mind, since that's what did it for me. Mm-hmm. But honestly, there's a ton of different ones out there. Mm-hmm. Um, those last two I just mentioned, too, uh, they're offered in print and audiobooks. Uh, I did the audiobook versions just because I was commute, I commute a lot for work. And uh, so that's how it was easiest for me because I just... Despite having all these books behind me, that those are my wives and kids mostly. I just have a couple <laughs> cookbooks, but I just don't can't find time in the day to sit back and read. So the the audiobooks was huge for me. Yeah. Um, but even if someone's just starting out, both of those books are offered. The beginning of the books are offered for free on their website. So like, if you're, I think that's the big thing is once people have that uh, that want or are curious about anything, feed it right away. Like. It's so quick how someone, how like the alcohol starts telling you, ah, you don't, you don't need that crap. Just, you know, carry on or, mm-hmm. oh, I had a bad day. Alcohol would, would fix, or obviously people don't refer to it as alcohol, but I'll just have a drink and feel better. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like once you find out that you're just compounding your problems, it's not making it better. Yes. Um, 
So that's the first one. The second one uh, is get on Instagram and make an account to create your own little sober sanctuary. No, uh, <laughs> so this isn't meant to be self-serving. Honestly, I'm not asking anyone to follow me necessarily. Uh, there are a bunch of great accounts out there, though, including yours, Terry, uh, which you. is one of the reasons that I wanted to join you. It's one of my favorites. So. But the reason I suggest that people make their own little sober corner is because most people's regular Instagram accounts, Facebook feeds or whatever socials they're on are full of pro alcohol messages that hammer away on our subconscious minds. And they make us think that we need alcohol for everything when the reality is we don't. And I know it sounds crazy because that would have sounded crazy to me, but it's the 100% complete opposite. And it's kind of funny, uh, like once you become aware of just how pro-alcohol our society is, it's shocking. Um, You notice it everywhere in social media, yes, movies, yeah, TV shows, everything. Like we were literally watch, we were literally watching a kids movie this past weekend, and the lead character is a cat. I won't say the name. Well, you can probably figure it out. But the cat is doing shots of milk in the in the movie. Like that just seems like disturbing. The the thought is obviously, oh, he's a cat. You can't show him drinking whiskey. But it's no different than the, you know, the cowboy who's got to take a shot of booze, you know, before a gunfight. It's, it's a subliminal messaging, isn't it? And I, it it is it is actually when you uh, kind of wake up in inverted commas, yep. to what is going on around you, which is part of the process. I'm seeing that happening all the time with the ladies in my group. They, they come in and it's like they have those initial, this is really hard. I'm really worrying about forever. I'm really worrying about all the events coming up. How am I going to do sure. the summer? And they have all these kind of fears and anxieties. And then they, they do the work, they do the work, they do the daily practice, you know, da, 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 da. And then a sort yep. of shift starts to happen. And then they feel pissed off. Because they're like, yeah. why is alcohol so much in my face? And yeah. they'll go to supermarkets and, you know, the first oh. thing that you hear is the wall of whatever seasonal drinks that, you know, there is. And there's, it's just everywhere, like you say. Yeah. And you do, you wake up to it and you become really aware of it. And then you get really annoyed about it. And that I always yeah. say that's just part of the process. You can yeah. feel, feel that anger. It's okay. Like it will For get sure. But yeah, it's, it's, it's all around us all the time yeah I think I love that one about the Instagram because as you were saying it as well I was thinking that you know um the sober um the sober Instagram is also becomes a bit of a toolkit kind of tool for you that so when you're having those moments where you're feeling like you're having a wobble or you need to sort of reset your mind you can go into you can dive into that sober instagram and you can scroll for a couple of minutes and look at some of the content there and it can totally Mm -hmm. just shift you um and and that is so powerful you know you've got that at your fingertips and it's and it's free yeah Yeah. it's free so yeah brilliant yeah and then uh, the last one um would just for people to be excited and be proud yes. that they're a sober badass. <laughs> I, I still love going through experiences that I had done previously only with drinking. Like I said, sporting events, concerts, vacations, I'm finding that they're like so much better. So like get excited to do these things just as you yeah. did them before, but without like drinking poison because like you actually remember everything and you experience it. Yeah. And the experiencing is it's good because like 
whether you actually know if something's good or it's bad. Like before, like when you just drink and like you're having a shitty time, you just be like, oh, whatever, just drink some more and you don't even notice it. But now it's like you're having a not good time. You're like, no, nah, I'm just done with this because I'm not enjoying myself. So yes. I'm just going to get out of here. Yeah. 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 And that, Yeah. Sorry. No, no. I was just going to say, and yeah, to just be proud because like, uh, sometimes it is challenging not to be just doing what everyone else is doing. Cause that's what the majority of our population does, but, uh, it's just so worth it. And honestly, like whether people are 20 years sober or they're just seemingly stuck on day ones, they need to be proud that they just keep trying. Like it's so worth it once you get here. Oh, that's so lovely. I, I I really love those. I love that third one as well. Be excited because mm-hmm. I I think people tend to go into sobriety under a bit of a cloud and feeling maybe negative and feeling yep. focusing like on what they're losing. You know, like they're losing a friend. That, yeah. That's what they think. That's what I thought. The perception that you're losing something and people forget to reframe and think about the opportunity and about what you're going to gain. And I think mm-hmm. that it's it it's important to have a balanced view. It's not about denying yourself the feelings of feeling sad or grieving that you're never going to be that old version of yourself again. Yeah. But yeah. you can't it can't be the only thing you focus on. You've got to bring in that other side of the story bring it into focus that actually it is something to feel excited about you are gonna go on a journey uh, mm-hmm. you're gonna change your <laughs> life for the better people don't go into sobriety and say i got a more shit life like yeah well, not people that i would say really attack it with proper intention and and do yeah. all the things that we always talk about doing which is the yeah. you know, the education the community the support and the giving back and all yeah. of that stuff. Um, it is something to get excited about. This is an opportunity. And it's even like going into the weekend, you have an opportunity to grow mm. and to challenge yourself and to do something differently and to do different things to what yeah. you normally do. Because when you drink, your life is so small. You don't yeah. do anything. You just no. drink and get over drinking. But yeah. when you don't drink, you have opportunities. You use your time better. You plan stuff. True. You can show up and do that stuff. So yeah. I think that's a really important point. And it's one that I know for myself personally, I'm always trying to encourage that flipping the narrative, you know, right. Yeah. Okay. You're worrying about this. You think you're losing that. Right. What are you gaining? Yeah. Well, where is the opportunity here for you? Yeah. Where do you put your focus on, right? You, you can focus um, on negative or you can focus on positive. Like, yeah, that's right. And even if you focus on both, focus on both. <laughs> like, right. Don't just focus on the bad stuff or the, what you mm-hmm. think is the bad stuff. Sure. Um, Steve, it's been so wonderful uh, talking to you. And I, I love, I feel like we've been really bouncing off each other, which has been really nice. Um, yeah, no, where great. can we find you if we want to follow your journey? Um, so <laughs> I don't post a ton of stuff, but uh, I'm uh, at the Sober Canuck um, on Instagram. You're going to have to spell that for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll send it to you, but it's uh, like the Sober and then Canuck is C-A-N-U-C-K. C-A-N-U-C-K. Yeah. 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 So I, that's just like slang for Canadian. 
Um, oh, right. Yeah. Aruba Canuck. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Never heard that before. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. I don't write show notes because um, I, oh, okay. I very simply just don't have time. Um, so <laughs> no I'm just like being very authentic there. Don't have time to write them. So I do need to make sure that people can find you based on yeah. this actual this actual episode. So that's great. Yeah. We, we can find you now at the Sober Canuck. There we go. Yeah, I actually did start a, a second business. Like, not that I have much time or anything like that, but I actually started a business selling alcohol-free drinks too. Um, mostly just sell in Canada, just because shipping is so crazy. So most of your li- listeners it wouldn't apply to, but that's just uh, www.afdrinks.ca. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Well, we will have some Canadian listeners. Yeah. Um, so yeah, go and check it out. And, yeah. Uh, um, no, yeah. but I really appreciate it. And like I said, like, I appreciate you, uh, what you do on Instagram and with these stories, like, I think it's so pivotal for people to have something that they can relate to. And like you, you said earlier, people sometimes in early sobriety or before they get sober, like just focus on the negatives, what they're going to lose. Um, but then when you see like, all there is to do is to gain really, like, I would say that a hundred percent in someone who was thought their whole life revolved around drinking and like life is just better without it. So yeah. Yeah. What a wonderful way to end the show. And I completely agree. I'm on the same page as that. Um, So yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for your story. Thank you for your wisdom and thank you to everybody else. See you next time. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Sassy Sober Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.